Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to No Pants Required. I'm your host, X3C, and thanks for joining. You guys have made it this far. You have finally made it to the Jungle Series Part 3, Serving the Corporate Face. Again, we covered in the first two previous episodes of the Jungle Series, Serving the Corporate, Surviving, sorry, the Corporate Grind, and Securing the Corporate Bag. Again, this episode, Serving the Corporate Face, we're going to cover resume, interviews, and follow-through techniques. Those are very critical points there, right? So let's dive right into it. Um, we have our special guest, Paul Prince, is still here with us on this third What up, what series. up, what up? So let's dive right into the resume. Um, when you think about resumes, there are different type of resumes based on the different type of industries that you're in, right? So if you are a model, that may, resume may include your work, a lot of headshots, and the different type of, of uh, print that you have done digitally and are um, hard copy or paper versions of that. If you're working in a particular public sector type of job, your resume may include pages, <laughs> Of, of work and, and in some cases in business and in, in organizations, you know, that one page resume is really ideal, right? And so, Paul, communication expert, want to discuss mm -hmm. like resumes and, and, and I could tell you guys, Paul have applied to jobs and gotten many jobs. And, and I'm not saying that in, in any negative way, I'm saying that he's mastered the way of adding items on a resume that absolutely gets him an interview. And so how do you do that? Well, well, thanks for having me this long. We've been going for a couple of hours now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, but it's um, it's, it's all good. And I, I really enjoy you know sharing this information. Um, so resumes, I know earlier in the series, we talked about personal brand. Your resume is a part of your personal brand and should reflect your personal brand, just like the all your, your online presence and other materials that you have. Um, so that's the question you ask yourself. Does my resume reflect my personal brand? For me, like I said it before, as a part of knowing and communicating your brand, having a bumper sticker. Um, for me, it's been, you know, being a national, international spokesperson, strategic storyteller and solutions architect. That's my bumper sticker. That's who I am in the nutshell professionally. And then, you know, having your elevator pitch. Uh, I'm a solutions architect with nearly 16 years of experience achieving results in strategic storytelling, resource management, and organizational outcomes. I'm the person to put in front of the client, assess their needs, develop, find, implement, and measure the right the right solutions at the right time for the best possible impacts. So, you know, having these things at the ready and knowing how you want to market yourself, you translate that also into your resume. And uh, there are different formats, different styles. Uh, keep it as simple as possible. Simple is always key. Um, but also knowing like what people in your industry are doing or what recruiters in your industry are looking for. Um, there are sometimes people, and I'm just going to put it out there because I know they exist, um, lazy recruiters or lazy um, hiring managers who, who will attest not to have enough time or not to want to spend much time doing that. So th there are certain ways or certain elements and maybe graphical or even um, from an editing uh, standpoint where you can set up your resume in a way that at a quick glance, you can see, okay, this person is good at X, Y, and Z. This is how I match this position. As much as I know it pains many of you, sometimes you have to edit your resume, cover letter, or whatever other required documents you have to provide for that particular position. Um, one thing I used to do um, or in my mind, I feel as though there's a laundry list resume where you list every freaking skill, job and right. certificate <laughs> and stuff that you have. Um, there are narrative um, resumes where you you work the star method, situation, task, ask and result. Um, and you say, hey, I situation was I was a deputy public affairs officer at the American Battle Miami's Commission. My task uh, or responsibilities was to oversee public affairs operation across 17 countries um, to include a few um, entities here in the United States. 
um, my action. You can talk about all the different major projects or, or at least one of the major efforts you were doing, building policies, setting up a team, hiring, firing, and so on and so on. And what was the result? Um, sometimes setting up your resumes like that help, especially tailored for a certain job um, or position, helps a recruiter or hiring manager to see, oh yeah, this person is the best fit. However, sometimes a mixture of the narrative and um, as I say, laundry list um, resume helps because you just never know who's on the other end or what system is on the other end of you pressing submit or send on that job application. Um, some initial elements to your resume that I would say is your bumper sticker. You know, what are those call out uh, skill sets or professional character traits that you want to highlight? Uh, niche skill sets. Um, we all have them. You know, what are yours and what separates you from other, possibly separate you from other uh, candidates? And again, you're not trying to be the best, but the best you. Um, of course, making sure that you bolster and tout your certifications and education, even though certain experiences may have happened a while back, you are still are certified, you're still educated in certain things that may be relevant to this new position. And then, of course, highlighting positive impacts to jobs, positions, organizations, initiatives that you've worked on. And, and of course, major, uh, majorly communicate what was your role in doing so. Um, so there's a, a delicate dance of negotiating the short and long of resume lengths. Um, but I think the main thing in there is making sure that you're on personal brand. You um, either yourself are seeking someone to help you in the most simple way, um, develop and, and highlight your personal brand in your resume from job to job and educational experiences. And then three, um, making sure when you are pressing submit that you've tailored that resume you, um, to the job that you're actually applying for. And, and even go through your resume from time to time after you, you know, you may see some, and there's nothing, oh, there's another tip and trick, a hack. If you read a job announcement and it was like, oh yeah, I do this, but it's not in your resume, put it in your resume. Because if people don't see that in your resume, you're not going to get credit for it. Right. Um, you may not even get the interview. So as you read different job announcements, and that's one way to, to buff up your resume, go to different job announcements of different jobs that you feel are in your wheelhouse or, or dream jobs that you are certain positions that may come as a or seem as a dream job to you. Look at what they're looking for. Look at what they're saying about a person in that position. And if you do that stuff um, to a minimum of um, intermediate level and with minimal or um, less support from um, from senior management, whatever, put that in your resume. If you're even in a beginning stage and the skill is not, it's more of a soft skill and it's not something uh, that's highly required or, or, or highly sophisticated, put that in there as well. Um, someone will say, well, oh, or am I being fully authentic? Yes, you are. Because um, one, as a learner, as a professional, you should always be learning, always be um, looking to advance. And even though you're only, you know, beginner or approaching intermediate in a certain skill set, doesn't mean that you can't do that. You just need more time to do it and do it well. Makes sense. All right. So, um, you know, there were times where I looked at my resume and I thought, oh, I need to plot, put everything on here to showcase my full breadth of skills and mm -hmm. knowledge. And, but to your point there, you know, as I learned um, um, later in my career that you have to tailor that resume to that particular job. And so some of those jobs that you may have had early on in your careers, like working at Starbucks, that may not be applicable to a data analyst position. Um, you know, you may want to leave that off the resume, right? And, and Or so, if there's a certain element of that job that you did that does um, highlight something about your brand. Like it could be like, hey, part of my brand is I'm highly customer service focused. Then mm -hmm. Starbucks come back into play. But in doing that, you're bolstering your customer service right. um, talent uh, by saying, oh, I can make a mocha loco latte, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. It makes total sense. All right. So transitioning over to interviews, you know, from my understanding, there are two type of interviews. There are situational and behavioral type of um, interviews. And um, are there any more that you that you know of? Yes, yes. And yes. So the key thing to interviews, and I tell I say this with all earnesty and with the utmost importance, 
prepare, prepare, prepare. You have to, one has to be ready and flexible. Um, I've done media relations training for about 16 years. Um, this has been to support um, SES and general types all the way down to privates um, with Department of Army. Um, I've worked with um, uh, congressional candidates um, for their media engagements. And it's all the same thing. Interviewing is interviewing. And I've also helped, you know, friends prepare for, for job interviews. The biggest, biggest piece of information I can give is do your research on the job, what they're looking for, how you match up to that job, what skills, what um, on point or direct and niche skill sets you bring, um, and practicing delivering and communicating your story, your brand uh, to that. So many times I feel like I, like, oh, well, I can do this job in my sleep so I can talk about it. But you get an interview and you've not prepared for the different types of interview uh, styles that they, they are. And I'll, I'll share those in a minute. But if you are ready, you know your stories, you know your information, you know what they are looking for. Um, and most times they'll say that in the beginning, like, hey, we're looking for a person that can X, Y, and Z. And if you're able to say, okay, got it, and translate your information in the in the way, in the direction that they are looking to receive it, then you'll have a successful interview. Whether you get the job or not, is honestly not always totally up to you. It depends on what they're looking for. They may already have somebody in mind, but again, if you own own your brand, you sell your brand, and it's especially what your brand would mean to working for that agency and company, you you reach success because you successfully communicated about yourself. So the different type of interviews that you would have to be prepared for is a behavioral interview, a conversational interview, a direct interview, a stress interview, and a practical interview. So let's break down. So behavior interview is kind of one of my favorite um, in a sense that, you know, it's, I would say, situational um, or tell me a time when you came in contact with a very uh, outrageous or difficult customer, uh, what the problem was, what was your solution and how did you handle that? What was your state of mind? That's a behavioral interview. How did you act? It shows your recruiter or hiring manager your potential behavior or cultural fit or job fit within that particular position and organization. Um, one of the best, uh, there are many sites on um, Google or on online that you can find. I'll just Google um, behavioral interview questions. I think one time Warren and I both, I think his last job that he applied for and got, you know, <laughs> right. um, you know, went to that site and it's literally looking at these questions, sometimes kind of willy-nilly in the mirror to kind of see what your developmental areas are when it comes to either generating the scenarios or examples in your head to actual physical delivery. Uh, are you, do you have audible pauses? Um, I mean, or right. like, right. Um, or is it the fact that you you just need more refinement of the wording you use. So it's always good in any of these scenarios to make sure that you not only do your research, you know what direction to go in, but prepare on how you deliver them in the mirror, like literally looking at yourself delivering these responses. Nowadays, um, not all interviews are in person, they are online. And that mirror is a good reflection of what people see online on that screen. So you right. want to be prepared to do that and know what your idiosyncrasies are like, does your eye wander a little bit sometimes? Um, if you get a little screen fatigue, do you have to make sure you keep some water or coffee there that you, you say, there's all these different things that you have to be cognizant of when you go into these interviews. Uh, conversational interview. Um, most times the, um, the recruiter or hiring official have already read your CV. They've already read your resume and it's more of a conversation um, to help you better understand what they're looking for and for you to converse about, uh, as Beyonce says, conversate about... <laughs> That's not a word. <laughs> or, you know, to communicate how you fit with this position and what experiences uh, you have that show the great potential um, for you to be successful at this job. Direct interviews, these people aren't, they don't have time to play, play. They're not here for play, play. So they're asking you targeted questions about the position and your skill sets. Again, most times they've read your resume, they've read your CV, they've seen your portfolio, and they're asking you targeted questions. Um, and, the, and direct interviews are normally 
um, interviews where they if they ask me five questions, they're going to ask Warren the same five questions, uh, which yep. is most times um, the format, at least of the first round interview. They have targeted questions to weed people out to the mm-hmm. next round. And then next round might be a little bit more conversational or behavioral um, interviews, but practice for all of them because you never know what to expect. There have been very few examples, and I'll share a few later where um, and I applaud them too. hiring managers, our facilitators, our recruiters, where they was like, hey, Mr. Prince, we would like 30 minutes or 45 minutes of your time. This will be a behavioral interview. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, cha-ching, that's, that's a big leg up. I know what to expect. Um, or like with my current agent, current firm I work for, I expected behavioral. I expected very targeted and it was conversational. Like, I was on the phone and it was like, I was on the phone with like three of my different best friends at different times. Like, oh yeah, da, 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 I do this. And this. you know, it, it just depends. And your personality sometimes can help drive that depending on how well you know your brand, how well you communicate your brand, how well you stand out. Sometimes that helps to direct or redirect an interview in your favor. Um, stress interviews. Um, these interviews are meant to generate artificial stress, as I like to say. Um, not that they're, you know, putting you on the grind under microscope. This uh, may be specific to like the IT field. Like if you're a programmer, they might want to give you some um, some code and the code is ever changing on the back end, but you have to like learn how to, or not learn, demonstrate how you know how to see these changes happening, um, identify what you, what um, solutions you have to, you know, quickly implement so that the code doesn't break and that things are still on point. Um, that's a stressful environment because, you, again, you want to do well. Each individual, I believe, want to succeed. And so you have that artificial stress. Now, mind you, you could have a nice paying job and you just want to participate in this interview just to kind of keep your interview skills up, which is a good thing to do. Um, but the stress in a stress interview, there are ways. Um, I would say sometimes even um, if you do like a mix between a behavioral and a direct interview um, style, that's stress because you're bouncing between two different interview styles and right. trying to fit, you know, different response formats in the, in the same interview or in the same session, um, which can be difficult. But again, that's when it comes to um, practicing interviewing and even doing mock interviews. Um, and if people are switching it up, you can identify that more re- more readily and adjust and be flexible, as we said it before. Um, so you can be successful in an interview. And then there's um, a practical interview. Practical is, uh, let me scroll over because that's the one, oh, on it, uh, hands-on. So in-person, uh, hands-on. Um, so I have a friend, um, RJ, he is a dental hygienist. And so for him, a lot of his interviews, there is the the behavioral or the direct questions, but it's practical. Like you're coming in and you're, you know, cleaning, you're doing x-rays, you're cleaning, doing cleanings, deep cleanings. Um, you're diagnosing more serious cases because um, they want to know, you know, is this person, you know, as good as they say they are, um, you know, and, and see if you can do the work and if y'all work well together. Because in that field, um, as a dental hygienist, yes, you're doing some offices, you may be doing cleanings with little or less interaction from like the doctor coming in and doing, you know, deep or hands-on assessment. And then sometimes you are in an office where they expect you do this at a certain time, doctor comes in, does assessment, and, you know, it is what it is. But those are more of the practical interviews. So all are interesting in their own nature, but all are manageable. Um, you have to manage yourself. Like you have to prepare. You have to make time to become or be your best self in these different scenarios. Um, and, you know, for me, I am, you know, for, as a storyteller, I like to do big narrative and then I whittle it down to consumable bites. So once I know my story, I whittle it down to a consumable sound bite that someone can pick up. And if they want me to expound on it, I'm able to expound back to my, my more large narrative. Uh, and then of course, doing that in these different formats um, can be interesting. And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking, you know, the recruiter or the hiring official that reached out to you, hey, um, can you share with me what type of uh, interview format this will be? Nothing wrong with that. It shows that you're you're thinking ahead, you're resourceful, you're aggressive. Uh, and I don't think aggressive control, as we say in tennis and in basketball, control aggression is always good. Um, so those are um, some of the tips um, for interviews are, I would say, no. So those are types of interviews. So tips, I would say, because I'm reading your mind right now. Um, <laughs> excuse me, like, what are these tips? Um, 
let's start with the physical. Again, I, I keep going back to researching your the company and researching the culture. We, we gave you examples uh, of both of us uh, going to examples of preparing for interviews. And if you don't do the research on that agency and that culture, and not just knowing like, you know, their reach, their breadth of services and who works there, but knowing their, their culture and like how they treat people, what they expect from people, how they reward people, all goes into... Um, your interview techniques, you know, for the physical, you know, is it, um, do you have to feel like you have to wear a suit? Is it a leadership position? Do you want to wear a tie? Not a tie. Do you want to, how, how do you want to portray your personal brand? Uh, if it's audio, um, so yeah, so that's the physical look. So you have to think about that. Of course, if you're on screen, you want to think about how your background, um, if you're doing, uh, this is a foot stomp, uh, moment right here. If you're doing an on-camera interview, check your background. Make sure whatever this person can possibly see is all good stuff and it's on personal brand. Yeah, I'm sure you can Google um, interview backdrops, interview negative interview backdrop um, situations, and you'll see that I, early on in, in quarantine, many media personalities, many uh, um, subject matter experts were doing interviews. And you would spot some of the craziest things in that background that they would not have thought to be like, okay, this is not a part of my personal brand. Let me pull this. But now you need to be cognizant of that. Um, what's also with physical? With physical, so there are three uh, different levels of tips uh, that I like to give when it comes to um, actually conducting an interview. Of course, the number one tip is prepare, 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 and prepare as though you were doing it in the mirror. Um, but the biggest thing I would say from the physical perspective, let's start from the ground up. Um, if you're sitting down, whether in person or on camera, you want to have your feet planted to the floor. Uh, it helps you to be more grounded. You don't want to be swiveling in the chair. If you're, if most of us do have swivel chairs and rolling chairs. Uh, you don't want to, you know, getting to nervous or fidgety behavior. It shows um, the lack of confidence. It shows that you're uh, a little nervous and you want to project confidence. You want to be ready to answer those questions. Of course, there's one example that I would like to give, you know, don't um, hide the naughty parts. You don't want to put your, um, cross your hands across your chest. You don't want to put your hands in your lap. Um, you want to find a good place to put your hands, which could be the armrest of your chair or just flat palm down on your, on your lap. Uh, it's okay to use your hands in talking. Um, you definitely don't want to come off as, and I love the city girls, but come off like city girls, like trying to boot up on somebody, um, <laughs> but you want to use your hands for emphasis, uh, to allow people uh, to draw people in. Like sometimes a great storyteller is not only what they're saying, it's how they're saying it and what emphasis that they're putting on certain words and certain phases, phrases. Um, so when you're using your hands, use them in a way to show emphasis and not to distract. Of course, you want to practice your voice. Um, if you're in person or not, you want to prepare um, to have a bottle of water or some tea or something with you that you can sip on. Um, even for this podcast there, you know, you might want to do some push-ups, do some jumping jacks to warm your body, warm your core so that, you know, you'll break up the phlegm or whatever you have. A, a, um, and it sounds disgusting, but it, it's, it's real. It's just realistic. Um, when you're doing on-camera interviews or just in-person interview, it, that helps you to to warm your body up where you, you can project, you can communicate, you're not coughing and hacking the whole time. And then of course, if you're talking a lot or under lights, if it's a media interview, you're able to, to stay hydrated if you have the water or whatnot with you. Um, and I think that, oh, and then one of the most important things, your eyes. So we always want to provide good um, eye contact to people. And of course there's a borderline becoming freaky and um, <laughs> giving good eye contact. Um, I would like to you to imagine a upside down pyramid or triangle shape on someone's face. The base or what would have been the base of the um, triangle is the line that grows across the forehead or a person's eyes, connecting the person's eyes. And then you have the two sides of that triangle that connect at the person's mouth. And so if you rotate your eyes or at least kind of slowly move your eyes in that triangle, it gets a little bit less freaky in a sense of like, being dead on eye contact like you're in the movie us um, <laughs> <laughs> um but you're you're still maintaining um good eye contact or visual um to that person uh, and being perceived well um, very interesting technique i've never heard of mm -hmm. yeah and it's effective i mean it's it, it even for some of the best um, media and uh, speaking personalities you know eye contact can be a little tricky and a little weird for people 
But um, that's one hack to help that. Of course, we talked about the verbal already when it comes to resumes, your brand, um, your interviewing. Of course, part of that is you know knowing your research, knowing your scenarios. Um, best knowing the type of interview questions you give. And then, of course, you know, having your spiel of how you respond to certain questions already intact. And if they throw you um, a question out of left field, there is no nothing wrong with taking a few seconds to think about it or write it down or write some a quick jot notes down and then respond. And you don't have to jump in. You don't have to seem like the sort of meta expert. They know when they're throwing wrenches at you or they and if they've read your resume or, or read your qualifications, they know what nuanced experiences you may not have had, but just take your time, allow yourself to process and think, and then respond uh, to those questions uh, accordingly. So we've talked about the physical. Uh, we've talked about the preparation of providing good oral interviews. And um, so also let's talk about um, um, examples, portfolios. Of course, you want to have your best polished work ready to provide to them, whether it's prior to the interview so they can see and get a, a good grasp on what your body of work looks like. Or it might be a nice little briefcase discussion to have in a sense, briefcase of sometimes it could be a physical briefcase where you pull your portfolio out and have it on the table and let them see it. Or virtually you have it and be like, hey, can I share my um, this link to my visual portfolio with you, or can I share with you this document that shows that has an example of me doing this type of work? Uh, that's always uh, good to prepare to do. And of course, anything involving technology or even in person, practice it. Practice it. Know the technology. Know what you know the cultural norms and, and certain agencies are, so that you, when you are physically present or even virtually, you know how to communicate and you know how to do it. The best way you can. Um, so I think there's a question. Let me ask a question here. I just just put up a thought here. Um, when you think thinking about sharing like a portfolio or a writing sample, if you will, I wonder: Have you experienced this, or have you heard of anyone sharing their screen while on an interview? Absolutely, absolutely. One, know if you have the capability to do so, because sometimes in these interviews. Uh, these companies won't give you access to be a presenter. They'll just give you a viewer access, depending on what the technology they use. And then so you'll be pre prepared to do that, but you can't because you don't have control to do so. So that might be one of those situations where of the briefcase conversation, where if you're um, virtually there, you have an email ready. Like, hey, you mind if I collect your email addresses? I would like to share with you this portfolio. Or if there's possibility for you to use the current technology to be able to attach or send an attachment in the chat. Um, or if there is a possibility for you to share your screen, again, be well-versed in that technology where you know how to navigate, share, and make it seamless. You don't want to be fumbling and um, trying to make excuses of, oh, I wasn't prepared to do this, but I feel like this is a... No, you have to be on point. What is your personal brand? And that'll be part of your personal brand. How is this person conducting themselves in these you know, high and low stress situations? Right. Um, I thought about when we talk about the different type of interviews again in the beginning, I thought it was just the two. But then as you brought in the other uh, direct conversation or physical, I started thinking, well, I remember a time when I was in college and some recruiters came to the Jacob T. Stewart College of Business. Shout out. Hey, Gremlin. And we uh, I was uh, there's a few of us who was flown to Orlando, uh, Florida, for an interview with Lockheed Martin. And it was an 11 part interview series that that was conducted over a two day period. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I've never in my life have been even prepared for something like that. Um, but it was different type of interview styles and approaches. And I remember one of those situations where it was we were in a room and uh, with the recruit or the, the, the interview panel. And I was <laughs> asked to conduct logic type of scenarios through through drawings and I had to like figure it out um, and it was I, I can tell you it was relatively rough for me to to figure some of these things out um, coming from college you know I didn't have the practical job experience you know and and I was obviously applying to an entry-level position mm -hmm. but that was very interesting for me experiencing that and another portion of that interview I believe the same day was an HTML type of quest a test I had to literally 
you know, write out the HTML code mm-hmm. on a whiteboard to solve this particular problem, which was relatively easy. Um, and I got most of it correct. But at the end, I was like, oh, I don't think this is connecting well. because I don't <laughs> think I, could, I was able to figure out that last piece. But it was, it was done on the spot, right? And I was like, wow, you know, the type of uh, interviews you have to go through and the pressure. So uh, to, to your point, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> as you mentioned earlier, it is important to prepare yourself um, for all different type of interviews. And, and, and in this case, to all the listeners, you know, Paul gave you guys five different type. And I would suggest studying and preparing yourself for all different five. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So moving on discussion, uh, let's dive right into we've got our resume out there. We've been selected for the interview. And now we feel like we have a really good chance of of because we had an outstanding rock solid interview. And now we're able to, you know, provide that follow through. So what are those techniques that you will offer to the listeners as uh, the best follow through techniques um, after successful or unsuccessful interview? Hmm. Great question. Um, again, I use the phrase uh, delicate dance. Um, Paul Prince, I am an aggressive person by nature. And I don't even ta- I used to take offense when people would say, oh, you're so aggressive. Or you're so um, you have so much energy. But that's that's me. That's who I am. I'm a very high energy person. I'm very resourceful. I'm aggressive. I'm, I'm very much so a, an achiever. I want to achieve results. And I believe that works very well for my clients. Like people want someone to come in who's confident that will achieve the best results. Um, But I'm flexible when it comes to that. So I say all that to say that when you're going through the interview process, you definitely want to portray that confidence. You want to portray portray that interest, but you don't want to seem desperate. Uh, And again, part of that is applying for a job when you already have one. (laughs) That's definitely less stress on that. And of course, being prepared. Less stress comes with the more prepared and more time you have, the better off I I believe you will be. Uh, And uh, But of course, you want to be persistent, but not pesky. So how do you do that? So most times when you're following up to an interview, sometimes it's a quick phone call. Um, Most times it's an email. And I I like email because it's, it's documented. It's something that you... Um, can use to your advantage and how so. So of course you want to personalize it. Um, You've interviewed with the people. Hopefully you took note of who exactly you talked to and it could have changed last minute. So you want to know who you've talked to. Um, You want to have a couple of notes of what was asked, what you said, um, which I like to do because I, me and one of my um, female friends, my uh, good girlfriend, Brittany, we will do a a hot wash as we see it with the government um, about like how, how did it go? What did it ask? What did you say? What you should have said? And the should have said might be something that you would like to put in that personalized note to the interviewer, the recruiter. Hey, XUC, thank you for taking the time out to speak with me. I am very excited um, and even more excited about, you know, starting this position or going further in the process based on what we talked about and the information you shared. During the interview, we talked about X, Y, and Z. I wish to add that I also had an additional certification that I'm finishing up next week that adds this to this or whatever. Or there might be a scenario that you misspoke about and you could probably tell that that misspeak was noticed. You know, talk about that misspeak. Uh, There might be something you omitted uh, or you might be, co- be able to correct the record. But those are different things you can do in a follow-up note um, that will be helpful for you. Um, of course, you want to, if a timeline was stated um, during the interview or that was one of the questions that you asked at the end of the interview, it's okay to use that timeline, not really against the recruiter or the company, but to follow up. Like if I do the interview today, hey, we're making our choice by next Friday. By next Friday, it is okay for you to send a, a follow, another follow-up note to say, hey, I know that you know during the interview, you said that the, um, the decision would be made on today. Is that still the case? Um, are there any more interviews? You know, that, that, that's reasonable, professional, general questions that people can ask. So follow-up, again, can be used not only to thank them for their time, to provide information that you either omitted to highlight that you want to emphasize more or if you want to correct the record of information that you provided. And then again, 
um, using that timeline shared with you to know possible moments where you can jump in and, and do stuff. This last in, um, in, interview process, um, I will say it's moved that, that my process moved uh, more fast along than some of my uh, current colleagues. But part of that was me calling like, hey, you know, I, last time we talked, we said that we would recap on Monday. It's COB Monday or midday Monday. Did you still have time to do this? And I feel as though there's a book called Managing Up. It's a really, really good book, really short. Get into it. It talks about how one um, not only as an employee, you can manage up to your boss, how you manage down, how you manage sideways to your colleagues and, and, and other people on your level. It's managing up is a really good way. And I feel like this is a good example of how you're not only managing your time, but their time and managing the situation um, by, you know, maintaining a respectable level of control over how fast or how well the process is moving along. And whether you do well or not, this might be a good way to show a little extra good potential and faith uh, during the follow up. Makes total sense. Okay, so I do have I do have this question. So and I, I I may even jump in here as well with some of my experience here. But um, detail your worst interview experience and and let <laughs> let the, you know because we gave a lot of positive information here. But you know let's talk about some negative situations, right? So detail your negative or your worst interview experience. And what was the outcome of that interview? Ooh, why you want to be negative? No. <laughs> so, um, no, that's that's really fair. Because a lot of times we, we as presenters are people, we always want to project the good. And there's right. much to learn from bad experiences or not so good experiences, however you want to couch that. So I'll start with my first one is from college. So, of course, my major was mass communication. I uh, went to the Grambling State University, the place where everybody is somebody, somebody. Grambling. <laughs> and, you know, as a mass communications major with emphasis in PR, as I used to say, and that was my brand, actually. Now that I think about it, that was my brand. <laughs> emphasis in PR, I could do it all. And so when I left college, I was, I graduated top in my department. I had a pretty decent GPA. I was aggressive, I was resourceful, I was creative. So I'm like, oh yeah, they would love me. So I go to interview with Fleshman Hiller, obviously one of the top PR firms. And I just think I'm just ready. I, I have all the qualifications. And they gave me, I think it was a, a mixture between behavioral and, well, it couldn't be behavioral because I was only in school and I was coming out of school. So it was most likely a conversational slash direct interview. Mm -hmm. And then the practical slash stress interview was when they gave me uh, some language or whatever. And it was like, how would you write this? And I was like, wow. And th then I knew like, oh, they need to add like labs to these, to the, to the courses, the curriculum, because this is the kind of stuff we should have been doing in class to mm -hmm. alleviate some stress of like, you know, job interviews and stuff like that. So that one, I feel I did verbally, I did as well as could be expected, but I would say the practical and stress part of it probably didn't do as well as I probably could have just because um, some of the things covered in the curriculum wasn't as uh, impactful to me. And to see, to even say that or to qualify myself as um, graduating at the top of uh, my department that year, it, you know, it just, there's just things that you, you can't plan for that you don't know about. And uh, so I think it went okay, but it definitely, you know, challenged me to always uh, look for industry standards, best practices. What should I expect to be asked in this interview from a behavioral direct or conversational standpoint? Uh, and how do I respond to that? How do I practice that? Even the practical part of like having store writing stories, um, being a stickler for copy editing or different portfolio um, elements, you know, being prepared to that. I think that's what that taught me. So uh, more recently, <laughs> I uh, was a GS-14 within the government system, uh, was still working toward trying to become an SES. Uh, so I was applying for 15 jobs. And I, it was in a decent, I'm not going to say the agency's name. Good, let's leave all that out. I want to. Um, but this was, it was a great opportunity. I would have been the um, official spokesperson for this agency, as well as the manager of the communications department. Did the first interview, the chief of staff 
And the facilitator were very impressed with my delivery and everything. I, I did my preparation, everything, had my slides in front of me as I, you know, did. Uh, I think the first one was just verbal. It wasn't on camera. Or no, maybe it was on camera the first time. And then I said, so that was that was one with just a facilitator. Then I did the second interview. All of these are hours apart. But the first interview was just one day. The next day I did one interview with the chief of staff and a facilitator again. So that's another hour. So that's two interviews. Then I had a three-part interview execution after that, which was all in one day, where I um, spoke to the chief of staff again, and we got into some more nitty-gritty questions. I interviewed with my potential staff, which was pretty weird, but um, it was interesting, and I, I felt like I handled that um, pretty well. And then I interviewed with a colleague whose department I would be supporting. So through all of that, I felt like I was very prepared and it was very long, um, but I didn't get the interview. I didn't, I didn't get the job. And so, you know, even progressing through that and being as prepared as I was to include using my spare time to generate a 30 to 45 minute presentation that I had to deliver um, in front of my potential employees and other people. Um, it was it, Again, it was definitely an interesting experience, but I didn't get the job and don't know why. Um, but you never know. But I, I felt as though I put my best foot forward. Um, one negative example I would say about another, I think it was a, yeah, it was a 15 job I applied for, uh, another good federal agency. And I felt I was very prepared. And again, my background is communications and I'm, I've definitely been in leadership positions, but I've definitely also worked as you know the grunt, grassroots type person. And so in the interview where I went wrong, I missed or forgot the direction of my responses. My responses should have been tailored towards how I can support my director, my boss, and the organization progress forward as a deputy director uh, at a higher level. And I focused my responses more on the nitty gritty day-to-day work that my employees or our employees would be doing. And so one of the guys who was, one of the guys on the interview who was acting as uh, he was acting as a deputy in that position. He he made a comment. He's like, oh, Paul, you sound like you have a lot of great experience, whatever, whatever. Um, but can you tell us how you would be a great fit for X, Y, and Z? Because he needs someone to come in and take all the extra managerial stuff. And in that moment, I was like, you idiot, you missed the mark. You're <laughs> supposed to be talking about your leadership skills and your resource management skills and your organizational outcome you know, skill sets, not you as a grunt worker doing the day-to-day work. And so I immediately did a pivot. But at that point, it might have been too late because they were like, oh, he's probably thinking it's going to be... Um, a grunt work job, which in essence, I was already working as a direct deputy director position as a 14 at that time um, recently and was doing all those resource management, organizational outcomes, policy, HR, human capital implementation type stuff. Um, so again, you have to be cognizant of what they're looking to hear and what type of information you have to, um, to deliver. Um, that's very important. So that was an epic fail for me. <laughs> epic. I would say another epic fail for me, I, my first my first interview for a consulting firm. And I didn't get that job. I eventually started working for that uh, company later. So at the time, you know, we all have our our weight loss, our um, health goals and everything, which should be a lifestyle, not a meantime pleasure. Um, I was I was doing intermittent fasting. I was doing fasting. And so I was fasting a day, hadn't eaten. I didn't get a chance to like grab anything when my fast ended. So I bring my butt to that interview. And so I'm sitting down there and these people are talking to me. Why in the hell am I starting to doze off? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, hell. My energy was, was this in person. It was an in-person two hour interview. Wow. The first hour I did well, but we're in a quiet room. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking the whole time. And then when I had to listen, I'm kind of looking at them and I'm starting to nod off because I can't remember if I had gone to the gym that day also, but my body is pulling on me for energy and I am crashing Wow. So um, just even knowing your energy levels for interviews and preparing, um, properly preparing yourself, like again, hydrate, you're going to be talking, you're going to be communicating. So you want to make sure you drink a lot of water before, of course, make sure you use the restrooms, don't don't break the seal, but also have water on hand, you know, so you can stay hydrated. So 
one thing that when you start, when you know you start getting uh, dehydrated, when you're talking, you're, you start getting cotton mouth, you start smacking, and that smacking can be heard on the microphone uh, or a very sensitive mic. So you don't want that to happen. You want to stay hydrated. But yeah, I did not prepare properly for that interview and your boy was falling asleep. So um, I would say my Tip last one. Tip number one, don't fall asleep. <laughs> don't fall asleep. <laughs> stay woke, folks. Stay woke. Stay woke. So I would say one last bad, a uh, negative interview I had, um, and not, again, it's not been many, it's been a few, um, and it's, and, and you never know what people are looking for. So you just, again, you just have to be prepared as much as you can. So this last one I'll share was with one of the interviews that I had and where I was not, cause I think I interviewed with them like three different jobs and I didn't get them. But I noticed that there was one person that always was on that, that hiring panel, except for the uh, the last one I talked about, which was interesting. Hmm. There might have been some shade. You anyway, digress? Uh, I digress. <laughs> but um, with this one, with this second interview with them, I was very prepared. I think the confidence level was there. And I communicated in the direction that they were looking to receive information. Um, I just feel like there was... Just something in some of the air of just my personal brand or with what they were looking for that just wasn't a match. Um, and I think this was the incident where I interviewed for different positions and there was like one person that was in a room that might have been on the same level or a lower level than I. And again, you just never know what they're expected. Um, but I don't think there was any negative part to that one per se. Mm-hmm. I guess the negative experience is the feeling you felt when you're prepared, but you're just not getting the feedback during the interview or after the interview that you desire. Um, but again, you have to manage those anxieties and manage those feelings, those emotions, because again, uh, that's one of my favorites, uh, spoof movies on Netflix, leave it on the floor. Once you finish that interview, you have to leave it on the floor, whatever, everything you you've got that you want to put into that interview, you put it in the, in there and you move on. It is what it is. Um, after the fact, so whether it's good or positive, you've learned a lesson you know how to adjust and you get it on the next one. Yeah, it's funny. I um, So as you were talking, I, I have I have a perspective to add in one of the interviews I've had. It was an interesting interview. So um, this was years ago. Uh, I was interviewing for a, a job with a congressional agency. And uh, as I was interviewing, I realized during the interview, and this is something that you say you realized when you was falling asleep, <laughs> I realized I wasn't getting across from the body language that the interviewer, I wasn't able, I feel like I wasn't connecting well with my responses. And I I, could, I just had a sense that they weren't landing. Right. And my responses weren't landing the way I intended it or the way I thought they were in my head. And so I definitely recall in the middle of that interview, me telling myself, you are not winning. I absolutely mm-hmm. remember telling myself, you are not winning. You need to switch this narrative around. You need to win this interview. And that's how I was thinking about it. I needed to win this interview. And when I left that interview, I immediately called my mom. Um, this was this was at, this was in D.C. in Chinatown area when I interviewed. And I called my mom who was living in uh, Louisiana. And I told her this was the worst interview experience of my life. It, it was really bad um, from my perspective. Like, I just, I didn't think it went well at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was within a week that agency called me back and told me not only was I the top candidate, um, that they were also going to offer me the job. And I was shocked. I was like, wow, you know, it didn't, I, I had zero confidence um, during that interview that was well, doing a, at least the beginning half of the interview that I wasn't doing well. But I guess when I gave myself that pep talk during the latter half of the interview, it, it worked because it, you know, it transcended and translated. So I definitely say, uh, just as you pointed out, recognize where you are um, and what type of interviews there are. And then when you go back to the follow-up pieces, you know, I was very... I won't say aggressive, but I was definitely, I, I use a lot of follow-up um, 
I believe it was a phone call as well as emails um, during that time, even though I felt like I bombed the interview. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how can the No Pants Required listeners reach out to you and find you? They can't. I'm unreachable. Love no, it. <laughs> um, I would say definitely connect with me online on LinkedIn. Uh, that's www.linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Paul uh, hyphen Prince hyphen four zero seven six six five five six. That's a lot said. So just put me in Paul Prince <laughs> on LinkedIn. Uh, I am a strategic storyteller and solutions uh, expert. Um, I have experience with um, uh, my LLC is uh, the Paul Prince Connection. So you'll see that on there for the right profile, have government jobs, currently work for a consulting firm. Um, but if there's any direct questions, um, any advice, uh, either hit me up on LinkedIn, or, which is a really good place because uh, I'm always monitoring those messages. Um, but also um, shoot me an email. Uh, well, well, better yet, let's just keep it in one place. Shoot, hit me up on LinkedIn, add me, and then we can go from there, the most appropriate um, venue to speak. But if I can't help you, or, can, or I can definitely direct you in the right place or person to answer any question you may have. Yeah, and I would definitely add that into the description of all three episodes of this jungle series um paul i thank you again for joining me during this journey for my first series um uh, surviving the corporate grind in the part one securing the corporate bag in part two and in this episode we discuss serving the corporate face so uh thank you again paul for joining the podcast um thank you ladies and gentlemen for sticking out all three episodes and hopefully you gain the knowledge you need to make you successful at negotiating uh, raises, um, determining your appropriate and uh, salary requirements, how to interview, interview techniques, follow up and more. So um, thank you for joining again. So consider supporting this channel by downloading the Piebean app link can be found in this episode description and consider downloading what is called golden beans and donating those golden beans to this podcast. Remember, positive energy can lead to positive vibes. Don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time joining. No Pants Required can be found on Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Peace.